Welcome to Cooler News, your go-to resource for insights and content straight from KPS Global. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cooler News brought to you by KPS Global. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Folks, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the podcast. We appreciate you listening along for all of your most updated B2B cooler news. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or get notified when we drop new ones, make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can do that by just searching cooler news on either platform, hitting that subscribe button, and then you'll get pings when we release new episodes. You can also go to our website for other pieces of content, including podcasts, articles and videos our website is kpsglobal.com again kpsglobal.com you can also find more information on our solutions and services there so for today's episode of cooler news we're turning the mic inwards on our company and highlighting some of the effects of covid19 on kps global Like many companies in the manufacturing sector, when the pandemic became a reality in the U.S. and even before it really hit us full force, the national and global supply chains that supported manufacturing were put under the microscope. At KPS, it was no different. And jumping on the issue as early as February, KPS had to sit down with stakeholders to radically restructure sourcing, inventory, and more to survive the effects of the pandemic. Now, several months deep, KPS is still running strong. So we want to understand what were the most critical steps taken to ensure supply chain success for our company. For insights, we're joined by Jeff Monroe, Director of Supply Chain at KPS Global. Jeff, great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. And Really happy to have you here today on Cooler News, unpacking KPS's approach to uh, supply chain management under COVID-19. I'm sure it was one of the most uh, trying challenges in your career as uh, as director of supply chain. Yeah, no doubt. It was uh, it was a curveball that, uh, yeah, definitely caught us by I wouldn't say caught us by surprise, but uh, it was not something that uh, I think anybody would anticipate or would hope to anticipate. Right. Yes. If anyone anticipated the pandemic, then, you know, hey, maybe we need to tap into what they know. (laughs) We've got some uh, um, omniscient uh, supply chain directors out there. But uh, (laughs) but regardless, yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to unpacking your thoughts here and how you approached this as an individual, as a leader and also as uh, just a company. So let's start by just understanding where exactly COVID affected KPS. So like we said, COVID rocked supply chains. None were really spared. What were the key points in KPS's supply chain that uh, were vulnerable to a global pandemic? There was, there were many. So like, like many organizations, we are, we do have a global supply chain, right? So we have sources in Asia, primarily domestic. And, and that was, that has been by design. Several of our commodities, including our steel market, uh, our steel commodities rather, those were impacted. Uh, we had to uh, think quick and make some changes uh, along the way. And fortunately, uh, maybe it was luck. I don't know, but uh, we we were ahead of we were ahead of COVID for for the long haul. We also do a fair amount of of buying completed items from from suppliers. 
and and none of them were spared. Uh, and and in fact, they're still being impacted. Um, initially, it was uh, being able to get parts um, from overseas, and now it's their their own workforce. So there's a I would say every every part of our supply chain has has been impacted, and and currently still is. When we look at the immediate impact, you know, what hit KPS on day one, uh, how did the COVID pandemic immediately impact your operations? I wouldn't say it was immediate. It was... Uh, okay. Had sort of a dom- domino effect? Very much so, yeah. And that the most pressing issue from the beginning was from what we call our buyout. So we, we buy from, from a supplier who has a completed product, a door, for instance. And the challenges that we started facing was, hey, we have these guys stock, you know, several months on hand, but because where their reorder points were, um, they were going to stock out within a number of a number of weeks. And so they had to think quick. We had to work with them and, and, and get regular updates, regular conversations going uh, to know what was going on. And then if as needed, what are some alternate options? That's where we had to start getting creative. Was finding alternates, but the the very beginning was with our with our buyout suppliers. Now, what's unique about KPS's response is that, uh, to some degree, you were already analyzing your supply chain and making some changes because of pressure from 2019 tariffs. So even though those tariffs were, I'm sure, a headache, uh, they actually ended up preparing you a bit for what was to come with COVID, or at least made the response a little more seamless. Can you give us the context on which tariffs were actually impacting you from 2019 and how they impacted your company and supply chain? And then we'll connect the dots. Yeah. So the the tariffs, I would say they were a headache. There's no question. (laughs) It was a month to month. We didn't know what was going to happen. And after a while, it, you know, it's been similar with COVID. You just kind of roll with the punches. You make you make your plans, and you go forward with it. So the tariffs that started impacting us were around our steel, our aluminum, uh, the tread plate that we buy. And they they were all getting tariffed, and and understanding what that was looking like, and understanding the impact to the bottom line of our business was, was imperative. So it actually. Because of that time frame, we started diving into our supply chain a little bit deeper and, and understanding our, our costs, which I think is a challenge for any supply chain. What is our true cost? And we started going into, the, uh, into that level of detail. And what we started finding was, you know, yes, we can buy these globally. And that's pretty cool, you know, to have a global supply chain. But was it the best thing for us at that time? And the answer was no. We started working with our local suppliers, and they may still buy from foreign foreign entities, but we found there are alternate grades of this steel to this aluminum that for a certain time were not impacted by a tariff. And so we went that route. We had to make changes with our engineering. It's taken the U.S. so it will take a while for them to onshore a lot of their production. You don't just turn on a mill overnight. It takes a while. And diamond tread is not something that is heavily produced in the States. So we are still, we're still working on that, but we have found options to the grade that have an impacted quality, that have an impacted manufacturability. Uh, and we've been able to source things more rapidly because of that, avoiding tariffs and also avoiding the impacts of COVID. 
So, yeah, let's connect those dots now. How do you think the tariffs ended up uh, somewhat insulating you from the worst supply chain challenges or effects of COVID? Uh, you know, what was some of the work you had to put in on the front end of maneuvering those 2019 tariffs that ended up supporting you during COVID? Pre-tariffs, our supply chain may have been, it, it was a little bit disparate. We had suppliers providing similar items all over the states and and we have multiple manufacturing facilities and basically the way things have worked is there's a buyer assigned to each manufacturing facility so we have tennessee we have fort worth we have san Dimas, conyers uh, goodyear arizona they were essentially able to buy from whomever they had the best relationship with locally And, and that works that's a good you know that's a fair practice. But what we started getting into was we need a solid national supplier, national account. By consolidating our supply base, we were able to have a better relationship. We were able to make a change wholesale. So, you know, maybe one plant pre this change would have been able to avoid these tariffs, would have been able to avoid the major impacts of the, of the COVID virus. But because of the direction that we went early on, we were able to make it a wholesale change for the entire company. It does, it does bring its own set of challenges now uh, that, that are different, but the impact has been very favorable. When we uh, talk about potential supply chain issues, obviously the most immediate impact is relationship with your suppliers, at least when we look at the dynamics of you know how this impacts your B2B relationships. Go ahead and walk us through what that impact was like with your suppliers. How did uh, you maneuver the situation with them? And then we'll get into some other relationships. So maybe the, the most overused word of the year is fluid, right? Yeah, sure. It has been a very fluid situation. The relationship with the suppliers has been critical. And fortunately, I have a very, a very good team who, who knows the suppliers, knows the parts, and has, has seen this through the, the entire step of the way. What we have done as a team together is providing regular updates to, to our sales teams, to our supply, to our customers, um, to, our, to our leadership to make whatever decisions need to be made as a company. We have had to get in each other's business. We've had to understand exactly what is going on. They for us and us for them. It, it is very much a mutual relationship when it comes to this coronavirus because our forecasts, are they're, they've been completely blown up. What used to be very stable and very predictable is no longer that way. One month may be a great month and the next, for whatever reason, isn't so much. So we have been communicating very regularly, especially with our top you know, 80% of the volume suppliers in a successful way. We still, because it is a learning situation, and nobody's been through, even though it's been on, going on for what, five, six, seven months now, nobody's really been through this. And we're making decisions with the best information that we have. And fortunately, they've been, they've been good. A big part of that was reimagining your inventory management, uh, I imagine. How did you shift how you source from suppliers to uh, meet COVID-19's demands? And do you think any of those changes in sourcing will be permanent post-COVID? Probably, yeah. I, I would say they, they will be permanent. And, I, and I'm hopeful. Our inventory management has changed. 
And I think that's one of the things that when you're reading through articles about supply chain today, just in time is now in question. It is now, is this really the best way that we want to go? We are or were a just-in-time organization. We had phenomenal inventory turns. We could turn you know, an item basically every two weeks. And that's pretty impressive, especially the volume that we are buying in certain areas. We are readdressing that. And, and one way that we did uh, early on was if one, we had to take it more as a holistic approach. I couldn't look at it as individual plants anymore. We had to look at it as we are one KPS global and we need to manage it as such. We started talking with our supply base and there's a couple things that we did to get up to this point. Something that at least I wasn't aware of us doing anything like this previous was analyzing the risk assigned to a specific supplier, whether they were a sole, you know, controlled a sole source item, how many facilities they, they supported what the lead time was on that item, how critical that item was to our manufacturer. And then we started changing the way that we sourced, that we inventoried those particular items. For instance, with our coiled metal, we buy millions of pounds of that stuff. Primarily, it is a single supplier. They do a phenomenal job for us. Great quality, great response time, great relationship with these guys. But we had to address early on Hey, if I only stock enough for two weeks, three weeks in facility A, but facility B gets impacted by coronavirus. And early on, we thought, would they have to be completely shut down for these two weeks? We didn't know how that was going to work. We realized we had to stock maybe a little bit more during those times. So we did that. We upped the quantities and we experienced zero hiccups during all that. Have individuals tested positive for coronavirus at our plants? Yes, they have. But has that impacted the our ability to service a customer? Absolutely not. And I would say that is a testament to to the the efforts that were put in early on. To answer your, the second part of your question, will these changes be permanent? Not all of them, but I'm hoping most of them. I think these changes have made us a more resilient supply chain, a more resilient company. Um, maybe even more forward thinking rather than in the moment, right? And again, to address the just in time, I think that works for some items. And I think that is a good thing. But is it the best thing? It may not be. So those are some of the changes that, that I hope and I expect to remain permanent in the company, that not everything will be handled in the same manner. Now, the main reason we're having this conversation is to analyze how you responded, find out what worked, and then we can learn from that, right? And uh, try to give some tips on moving forward. If we get another pandemic or at least just a major crisis, how can uh, manufacturing companies learn from what KPS did and what worked? So uh, let's break down some of the steps of your response. As director of the company's supply chain, where did you begin in your COVID-19? 19 responses. Walk us through some of those initial meetings and uh, projects and how you dealt with the uncertainty of what was this pandemic. This was a very difficult time. Even today, it's difficult to discern what is impact, what is going to be impactful and what is not. And as I started reading, I like to keep up on, on the news. I like to understand what's going on. Does all of it impact me the same? No. 
But this continued to come up. This was something that for whatever reason, I felt is going to be a little bit bigger than it was being portrayed early on as, as it was being portrayed as strictly a Chinese issue. I had a hard time believing that. So early on, you know, starting the very first part of February, and even before that, really, started putting together with my team some, some questionnaires for our suppliers that were in the event that this becomes an impact to your supply chain. What are those items? What, what do you have on the floor now? And if you were to be impacted, how long would you be able to support our demands? Those were the early conversations that we started having. And then come March, when it finally started hitting us as a company, as a country, really, those conversations were already happening. We knew what was going on with our suppliers. It's difficult to discern everything that is accurate in the news. There's so many different voices going on. And I, that may be the, the biggest challenge of any supply chain leader is knowing what is really taking place here and what do I need to act on? So fortunately, this was one that, uh, that we're able to act on very quickly. One of the conversations I had subsequently with um, one of our largest suppliers, and just for context, they have about 10% of the world's lumber going through their facilities. They're big, they're a big player. And as I started talking with our individuals there, our contacts there, they said, you know, I don't know how you did it as a company, but the conversations that you were having with us in February actually caused us as a company. Now they are 10 times larger than we are as a company. They caused them to start analyzing things themselves. So I think that is a critical part is there's, you can over communicate. There's no question about that, but how you communicate and what you communicate as, as a supply chain team to your suppliers changes the way that our suppliers do things. And, and this was one instance of that. Uh, they were able to, as I said, 10% of the world's lumber goes through these guys. And they were able to make changes and they did make changes because of the conversations we, as not even one of their top 10 customers was having with them. So I think that just goes to show that, uh, that the level of detail that we share with each other is critical. And, and not being afraid to one, make mistakes because this, I could have been totally wrong. My team could have been totally wrong in this, but by at least going out on a limb and acting on something that we, that we felt that we believed needed to be acted on, it, it set us up for the success that we're experiencing today. How important did you find communication or over communication, honestly, with your team uh, being in your general success uh, for KPS's supply chain? Uh, and what kind of communication did you have to do, not just with uh, other decision makers, but with the rest of the team at all levels of the company to make sure everyone was in the loop? And yeah, walk us through how much of an impact that had on your response. It was huge. There's, there's no question. That was, that was why we were doing what we were doing. I needed to be able to inform everybody within my company what was going on. They needed to know um, not just with my team, because they, they were the boots on the ground. The supply chain team in this instance, they were the boots on the ground making things happen and keeping things rolling when everything was going uphill. 
What we did as, as an organization is we would provide regular, when I say regular, it was weekly updates to our, our sales team. And it was signed by the director of supply chain that we have been analyzing this. This is what is happening today in our supply chain. We have not identified anything that is an immediate risk at shutting us down or delaying our shipments. Or if there was something at risk, we would identify that. And we were transparent. We wanted to convey a hopeful message because what else would we convey, but also a clear message. And, and that's what we did. So we did that for a number of months and we were providing the information that we were getting from our suppliers all the way back up to our customers, whomever wanted to, you know, have access to that. So that was a critical, a critical part in this was filtering out the noise. There was so much noise happening at the time and there still is. We had to make our own message and it had to be very clear. This is what is happening to KPS Global. Sure, this other stuff may be happening around us, but within KPS Global, this is where we are. And, and we created that message and I would say successfully. Were there moments that you as a leader had to question your own decision making or, uh, you know, were kind of caught up in your head with some of the decisions you had to make? And if so, how'd you ground yourself and make decisions that had, you know, the best interests of the company and partners in mind with, with so much weight uh, with these decisions? I'm sure, you know, just at a personal level, it could get testy. Mm-hmm. You know, that is a, a personal, maybe a struggle that I have is I'm always questioning myself. Yeah. And right or wrong or indifferent, it is what it is. And I have to go back to the team that I have. If it was not for these individuals, we would not be where we are. I have individuals who have 30 years of experience within the company. I have individuals who have two years of experience within the company. And all of their opinions, all of their feedback is what drives the decision-making. I take, I try to take it all in and I try to make a decision from there. Do I question some of my, some of my decision-making? I question probably every bit of it, to be totally honest. And if it's the wrong one, you know, who I think it was Michael Jordan had a rubber band. Every time he missed a shot, he would flick himself with a rubber band. And I kind of do the same thing to myself, but it is something that I learned from. It is something that I remember. And I would say the exact same for my team. We go, we have multiple meetings. Now that we're having to meet remotely, we have multiple meetings every week as a team. And we discuss what's happening and we discuss successes. We success, we discuss failures. And then we go and we improve upon that. I can unequivocally tell you that during this time, we as a team have grown more than we ever would have without the current situation. We are much more prepared to support the company than we ever would have been. Has it been hard to get here? Oh my goodness, it's been hard. But was it necessary? I think so. I think it was something that we had to go through to take it to the next level. 
And finally, how do you feel like you grew as a leader uh, and what kind of insights would you share with other supply chain managers uh, in similar sectors, you know, for what worked for you personally and how you were able to ground yourself, manage all of the different responsibilities and come out the other end or at least, you know, continue on forward because to some degree we're still in the middle of this pandemic, you know, successful and with KPS afloat. Maybe that's a hard question to answer in just one or two ideas, one or two thoughts. But I've learned that it is critical to have the right people doing the right things at the right time. And how you get there, I think it it depends. But being willing to listen to to these individuals, and maybe maybe that's the moral of this thing that I'm sharing. I relied extremely heavily on, on my team to see this through. And, and they probably felt that. I, I hope they did actually feel, feel that. So what I learned is it's not, it's not what I know. It's what we know. And it's what we do. And it's how we go about doing it. And we can make up for each other's weaknesses and we can build on each other's strengths. I think that's what I've learned through all of this. And it's a necessity for me as a leader to get to as close to the product as I can, as close to each of my team members as I can. I have material handlers that do, they do a phenomenal job managing our inventory, moving material from point A to point B and keeping that accurate. I need to know them. I need to know what they're doing and how that impacts our business. I have buyers who manage millions of dollars in spend, tens of millions of dollars in spend. How do they do that? What does their day look like from day to day? That's what I've gathered from all of this is I need to be a little bit closer to what's happening on, uh, to what's happening within my team and not uh, not stay basically in the captain's seat and let whatever's happening happen. I need to, to understand these the needs of my team. All right, Jeff Monroe, thank you again for joining us on this episode of Cooler News. I think that about does it for our breakdown of KPS's response uh, to the COVID-19 pandemic and how it affected your supply chain and how you came out the other end still intact. Any final thoughts you want to leave our audience with, whether that is, uh, you know, any any personal thoughts for you as a supply chain leader or broader uh, takeaways for how KPS made it out the other end still intact and afloat uh, as a manufacturer during COVID. Yeah. Well, first off, you know, really great, grateful that I could uh, could join you on this, or that you could have me on this, Daniel. I, I've enjoyed it very much. The uh, I guess the one thing that I could share is just keep moving forward. Uh, things will get better, and with that mentality, we can't lose. And and that's that is my key. I guess my key point. Fantastic. Jeff Monroe, Director of Supply Chain at KPS Global, thank you again for joining us today on the podcast. Again, we've been chatting with Jeff Monroe on Cooler News. Jeff, if folks want to find out a little bit more about uh, your work in the industry or get in touch with you directly, how can they uh, find more info and get in touch? Yeah, so I I have obviously LinkedIn, Jeff Monroe uh, on, on LinkedIn. Um, and feel free even to shoot me an email anytime. So jeffrey.monroe at kpsglobal.com. I'd love to, uh, love to chat, love to get to know you. All right, Jeff. Thanks again. Absolutely. Take care, Daniel. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Cooler News, a KPS Global podcast. 
If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Once you do, you'll find a full catalog of previous episodes as well as get notified when we drop new ones. You can also find all of this content on our website at kpsglobal.com. Again, kpsglobal.com. Once you're there, you can also find information on our solutions and services. Make sure you're leaving a rating and a comment wherever you're listening to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.